Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. We are excited about the second week in being in this series called The Armor Bearer. And um, we're talking about the armor of God, and the message today is the armor bearer. And we are talking about this story that is found in, in 1 Samuel. The thing about the armor of God is that we can sometimes just underestimate how beautiful and how powerful this image is in the scriptures and how important it is for us to live every day with this invisible armor that God has already given us. What God does is that he names it for us and he uses the Apostle Paul to do that and he uses the Apostle Paul to describe it through the armor that was found on a centurion soldier. And through that imagery, we then have this idea and this understanding of all the elements that you see here on the screen of what an armor would look like in that day. And each piece represents something that God has already done for us. It isn't something that you have to wait for. It's something that he has already done. He's already given you this armor. This armor is already on you as a follower of Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, God has given it to you. And so when you live life, you know that you have this armor with you always. And what it does is that it gives you this picture, this image of you going into your everyday life, but prepared for it. And prepared for the battles that come. And prepared for what is there that we sometimes feel very much unprepared for. So God doesn't want you to go in with that missing confidence, but he wants you to go with a full understanding of everything that he has already procured on your behalf. Now, we're going to read some verses that are going to provide some context for us this morning, and it's going to tell us a little bit about the story that we're in. It's a story of King Saul and his son, Jonathan. And the story in which we're in, they're in battle with their forever enemies, the Philistines. And we don't know who the Philistines would be today because it's a civilization that there's some debate about when exactly it was extinguished. But we know that they were such an enemy of God's people and an enemy uh, to the very purpose and to the heart of God that, that it's a people that actually disappear. And so there is no more mention of them in history because they eventually just are gone from it. God most likely provided a form of, of judgment on these people that eliminated them from the face of the earth. Now, we're talking about a story in which they're still fighting these enemies. These enemies are still there. And many of us, like, we sometimes hear these things and we wonder, wow, God's harsh, you know, like removing an entire people from the earth and an entire tribe of people are gone and, and, it, and it bothers us. 
But it's like we've never had any hatred in our hearts. Like we've never wanted our enemies dead. It's like we've never wanted victory and wanted others to experience defeat. It's like we never thought these things and went into battle thinking, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to talk my way through this. And, and hopefully once I've talked my way through it, I'm going to be victorious. Yeah, talking sometimes works. And I think we should always do that. Uh, I think showing love, and Jesus taught us that in terms of turning the other cheek and not retaliating, he taught us that as well. But there are times when God also calls us to fight. And, and that is difficult for us to grasp because most of the time we don't have to literally fight someone else. And even if we're pacifists and we don't want to go to war or hold a gun or take someone else's life, sometimes we're put in a position where we may have to do that. And there are great stories uh, of people who made it through battles where they didn't do that, where they found another way to contribute, where they found another way to help and to make a difference without compromising their convictions. And obviously, if that is your conviction, then understandably, that is something that you must not go against. Why? Because if you go against your own conviction, that's when it becomes actually sinful. See, someone else can tell you that it's right and wrong, but if, if you believe it's wrong and you do it, that's when it actually becomes wrong. Because you're going against that which your own conscience is telling you. Now, obviously, there's a moment in which our conscience is then superseded by something greater, and that is God's Word. And so we then become aware of what God's Word teaches, what His, His, His heart reveals, and what He prefers as our standard. And then when we look at that standard, we say, okay, so maybe my conscience wasn't fully awakened. It wasn't fully aware. It wasn't ready to take on this this way. But it's amazing that God loved me anyways, that he showed me grace and mercy, that he kept revealing how he was going to bless me, and he did bless me, even when my conscience was misleading me. You see, we sometimes think that our conscience is all that we need to guide us. That, that feeling in our heart that we say, I'm going to follow my heart, or I've got a gut feeling and I'm going to follow my gut. Two things that most people have seen in their own experience, following your heart and listening to your gut doesn't always work. But when you live by a higher standard, one that God has put before us, all of a sudden, it has a way of speaking to our heart and to our gut, and then we end up following a better plan in the long run. And this is the difference between Saul and Jonathan in this story. Saul is listening to himself, making decisions, and every time he makes one, it seems to anger God and remove the blessing that God wants to give Saul. In case in point, they're going up against the, the Philistines and Samuel hasn't arrived yet. And, 
And he has to wait for Samuel to offer up a sacrifice. Well, Saul notices that Samuel is late, and so he decides that he's going to go out and he's going to offer up the sacrifices himself. And so in the story that we're in, Saul goes and commands his people to go and gather the sacrifices. He goes out and he offers up a thousand of them. Because he knows that he's not Samuel. So he's hoping that the number of sacrifices are going to help him in this war against the Philistines. Now, the reason he does this is because Saul is worried because he's seeing defections happen right before his very eyes. People are actually leaving his army and joining the Philistine army. They're actually running away and hiding in caves. And they're doing whatever they can to not have to fight. And so in the story in which we're in, Saul is panicked, can't reveal that panic, but he shows it and reveals it by doing something that he is not commissioned to do. And that is act like the prophet. Jonathan, on the other hand, is not even with his father. He's found in another place in the story, and the only person that he's with is his armor bearer. And you can see that there's not only a separation in the camp, but there's a separation in the family. Now, Jonathan is respecting his father, but he can't do things his father's way. And so while these sacrifices are being offered, it's clear that Jonathan most likely is not even there. He's with his armor bearer. And that's where we pick up the story where Jonathan and his armor bearer are making decisions about what they are to do next. And everything in the story reveals that Jonathan is not telling his father, Saul, what he's planning. And so we have Saul who's acting according to his own conscience. And then we have Jonathan, who's trying to understand God's heart. And the difference between these two things is the difference between winning and losing. And if we understand this, then we can experience more victories in our life than losses. Now, the story I want to pick up is found in 1 Samuel, and then... I want to read to you a few verses that give us the backdrop. The first one is found in verse 5 in 1 Samuel 13. And it says that the Philistines mustered a mighty armor of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. That's, that's what they had. In verse 19, it says this, that there were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So they're controlling not only the steel and the metal, but they're making sure that there are no metal workers, no metalsmiths, no blacksmiths. And the reason they were called blacksmiths is because in those days, they fashioned the swords and the spears from iron, and so it was considered a black metal, and that's why they were called blacksmiths. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 20, it says that whenever the Israelites needed 
to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axe, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. And so when they went into war, you can imagine that what they had was farm equipment. So the Philistines had all the weapons of war, but the Israelites didn't have any because they were under the dominion and the authority of these Philistines. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22, it also says this, that on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel, listen to this, had a sword or a spear except for Saul and Jonathan. Imagine an, an army and no one other than the king and his son has a sword and a spear. That's all they had, which tells us that the armor bearer didn't have one either. And this is important. And so we pick up the story in verse 6 of chapter 14 now. And I think that's going to be on the screen. It's, it's 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. And it says, look, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. And it says that Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord is going to help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best. The armor bearer replied, I'm with you completely. Heart and soul, whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and let them see us. And if they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and know and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up and that will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. Now the story in which we're in now, you can see that the conversation is between Jonathan and his armor bearer. And what we have is one guy with a sword willing to go up against the Philistine army. And none of us would think that would be a good plan, obviously, for obvious reasons. And Jonathan is not concerned about how many there are on the opposite side of this battle. He's not concerned about the number of chariots, the number of soldiers, the number of swords and spears. What he's concerned about is whether or not God is with him. And I love that about Jonathan because in this story, the only thing that matters to him is God with him. And if God is with him, then he knows that the enemy doesn't stand a chance. And I wonder how many of us in this room have that kind of a mindset. I mean, I know that some of us are more positive than others. I know that some of us lean towards positivity way more than negativity. I know that some of us are better at self-talk and, and belief and just, just trusting that things are going to work out. Some of us worry so much and others among us don't worry at all. Sometimes the way that we deal with things is just to ignore them. And we think that's a solution. It's not always a good sign. 
But some of us do have the kind of faith that steps into a situation and says, I believe that if God is with me, then the enemy does not stand a chance. The only thing I need to know is, is God with me? And, and obviously, this is what the story is about because Jonathan speaks to his armor bearer and he says to him these very important words. He says, hey, the Lord, he can win a battle whether he has many warriors or a few. And so Jonathan has this principle in his heart and he's casting this vision to his armor bearer. And his armor bearer hears this, believes it, and then responds with these words. He then says, do what you think is best. I am with you completely, heart and soul, whatever you decide. And there is a moment where Jonathan, the guy with the sword, is the guy with the vision. And the armor bearer is the one with the encouragement to go with him. And there's going to be a moment in our lives where God is going to call us to be Jonathan with the sword, but there's going to be a moment where God is also going to ask us to be the armor bearer instead. And in that moment, we're going to have to understand which role God is calling us to. Because if there's only two swords among the entire army and Jonathan has one of them, then the armor bearer obviously has to go with the guy who's got the sword, the guy who's got the vision, the guy who has the understanding of what God is able to do in a moment like this. But armor bearer means I'm with you. I will cover you. I will encourage you. I will protect you. I will make sure that when you go out against the enemy, the enemy will not be able to defeat you because I am coming with you. And I know that there are many times in our lives where God has called us to be the armor bearer and we have rescinded that call. We have not lived up to our mandate. We have not fulfilled what God has required and requested of us. We didn't believe in the guy with the sword. We didn't believe in the woman who was caught in that moment to lead. We didn't believe in the situation and the purpose of what was brought before us. And instead of covering with the armor, we made a decision not to go into battle. And not only was the life of the one who had the sword lost, but then your life as the armor bearer was lost as well. And what God is trying to do is make sure that that situation never repeats itself. So we're talking about the sword bearer and the armor bearer. And the reality is that sometimes you are the one who's going to be leading with the sword and other times you are going to be the armor bearer. It's essential to have someone with vision as much as encouraging the person with vision. And in this lifetime, you are called to be a Jonathan, just like you are called to be an armor bearer. And that calling is always on us. It's going to be one or the other. And I believe that we live our lives as the sword bearer and the armor bearer at all times. 
There are times when God's going to call us to lead, and other times he's going to call us to follow. I was at a prayer retreat in Orford with a bunch of uh, young adults and adults that were doing work in Quebec, whether it was sports university teams or professional teams like myself, or whether they were working on campuses from John Abbott to Concordia to McGill to French colleges like Champlain and, and on and on it went. And, and the room was filled with people who were doing everything in their power to make sure that everywhere they were placed, they would be the armor bearer and that they would also be the sword bearer. The sword bearer because they had been appointed, but the armor bearer because their whole role is about developing others to take their place and make sure that more people can be where they are doing the work that they're doing. And in that setting, which was a prayer retreat, where we had three days of coming before God and just putting aside all of our earthly distractions and just focusing on what it would mean to see Quebec reached for the gospel, as I found myself in this retreat, the only thing I had to be in this setting was an armor bearer. I didn't have to lead. All I had to do was submit to the leadership that was there, submit to what they were doing, to submit to every session, submit to what they were asking me to do, to reflect upon, to pray about, to fast about, to bring into accountability. That's all I had to do was be an armor bearer. Follow the leadership of someone else. And in that setting, I had no right to be the sword bearer. Even though in other areas of my life, I am one. But where I was, I was called to be an armor bearer. And you see, every day of my life, I am making a decision. Am I a sword bearer or am I an armor bearer? Who am I in this setting? What am I being called to do in this moment? Am I being called to lead or am I being called to cover? Can we say amen to that? Amen. Come on. Now, if you understand this, and you're going to understand how in every moment God is going to call you to be one of those two things. And there's going to be moments, listen, when someone else has the sword. In this case, it was Saul. And he was up offering sacrifices. He was up doing the wrong thing. When Samuel shows up, he says, Saul, because of what you did, you and your lineage will never be king again. Another king has already been appointed to take your place. He lost on that day, not just the people's favor. He lost God's. He was afraid of losing his army, and he lost his kingdom instead. And in that moment, he was holding on to the wrong thing for the wrong reasons by the wrong methods. And God just took it away and gave it to another. But not far away, there was someone else who also had a sword. 
And God said, if I can't get Saul to do it the right way, I can get Jonathan to do it instead. And I need you to understand there's going to be a moment where someone is leading and the anointing has already been taken from them. And it's no longer for them to hold the sword. It's your turn to be the sword bearer. Can we say amen to that? But you need to understand that moment. God has to show it to you. He's going to have to be clear. You take it for yourself. You're just going to end up into another loss. You're going to have greater losses, more than you've ever imagined could be possible. And so you need to understand that there's always going to be a moment where God's calling you to be the sword bearer and a moment where he's calling you to be the armor bearer. Okay, can I move on to the next point? Everyone's saying, please, please go. But I feel like if we don't get this part, we're not going to get it. Okay? And so God says, Jonathan, you're going to be the sword bearer. And so what Jonathan does is that he says, here are the right tactics and the right timing for what it is that we're going to do. And so imagine the right tactics and the right timing. So what does he say to the armor bearer? He says, if they tell us, come on up to us, then that'll be our answer that we go. But if they tell us to stay where we are, then we don't advance. And we know that God isn't with us. So I want you to see that up until this moment, even Jonathan isn't entirely sure how this is going to play out. And so I hate it when Christians go around acting like they've got it figured out. They're so certain. They're so sure. God has spoken to me. I had a dream. I had a vision. I had a verse. I had this and I had that. Come on. There's guys who in the scriptures are always kind of saying, I'm not too sure about this. More often than not, you have the greatest leaders in the Bible who lack confidence even after God has shown up and spoken to them in the most unusual and unpractical ways. Even in those moments, those guys are kind of like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. And then we have believers, Christians going around the world, yielding their swords, causing nothing but destruction wherever they go because they haven't understood the difference between God going with them and they wanting this more than God. And I can assure you that in a moment like this, we are seeing Jonathan, who's filled with faith, who said out loud to his armor bearer that gave him the confidence to go into battle with him, that God can win any battle whether with many warriors or just a few, that he still says it's good if God makes it clear. It's good if God shows us the sign that we need. It's good that he tells us whether or not we should go up or not. And you know, I always wondered, like, why would that be the right time and the right tactic in terms of Jonathan saying, if, if the Philistines tell us to come on up, that that would be the sign. I think I would have done it the reverse. But, but the reason Jonathan does it like this is because he understands that God is a God of advance and his people are too. God is a God who advances. He is never a God who retreats. 
And I know that when we think of what it looks like to be with God, we need to understand this truth, that God is a God of advance. And so if we are not advancing in our lives, listen to me, there is something that is wrong in our life. There is something that God is still working in our life. There's something that he's bringing about transformation regarding in our life. Now, we're going to have blessings and breakthroughs, but we are not going to experience the level of multiplication that God wants to give us until we understand certain principles. And the principle here that we need to get is that God is a God of advance. And the second one in this story is that God defeats the enemy when we are determined to act. If we are not determined to act, then we are not going to see the enemy defeated. Jonathan is able to experience victory because he was always determined to act on God's behalf. He was saying, God, use me. Is this the moment? God, these Philistines, they may be more than us, but it doesn't matter because they don't have you. God, I'm willing to go out into this battle. Armor bearer, are you with me? You see, when you are ready and willing to act, God says, I'm going with that dude. I'm going with that girl. I'm going with them because they understand that I'm a God who wants to advance. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to give them my blessing. I'm going to give them my multiplication because they are not living for themselves. They are living for me. They're doing things so that light can overcome the darkness. And I will always give people like that more power. I will always give them more influence. I will always give them more to manage. I will always give them more and more and more because I can trust them with it. See, that's what God is looking for, for people that he can entrust all of this with. That's why in 1 Samuel 14, 12, it says, that the men from the outpost shouted, shouted to Jonathan, come on up here. And then they said these words, we're going to teach you a lesson. And in that moment, the thing that Jonathan says to his armor bearer is that he says, come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan says, for the Lord will help us defeat him. Because he got the sign that he had asked for. And, and, and I think that sometimes we've been taught something really weird. We've been taught that we can't ask God for signs. And we, we somehow have told ourselves that if God gives us signs, that that's somehow a weakness of faith. But I need you to understand that everybody in the Bible got a sign. And they did incredible things because even in their moment of doubt and weakness and maybe where they were debating whether or not they should go ahead and do this, God came to their help and to their aid and helped them by giving them an additional sign. I mean, there's this guy by the name of Gideon who every day gave God a brand new test. One day I want the ground to be wet and I want the fleece to be dry. The next day is I want the fleece to be wet and I want the ground dry. And every day he'd wake up and he'd say, God, I'm going to give you another test just to be sure. Are you sure that you want me to go out into battle? 
And then when he went out into battle and he finally agreed and there were these soldiers all gathered at the water and some guys were dunking their heads and other guys were cupping their hands and looking around and, and God says, everybody who cupped their hands and drank from the water and looked around, that's your army, send everybody else home. And then Gideon's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm now going to be stuck with only 300 out of thousands? And God's like, whether there be many warriors or a few, I can win every battle. You see, when you're the sword bearer, the only thing you need is the armor bearer. Can we say amen to that? You need the right armor bearer with you. And then you can go into any and every battle and defeat any and every enemy. See, that's what God wants us to understand. It doesn't matter how many we are, but who we are when we go into battle, who we have with us when we go into battle, what we understand are his principles when we go out into battle, what we are building our victory upon when we go into battle. See, God wants us to understand those things, and then no matter what the battle is, no matter what it is that we're living and facing in life, no matter what challenge we may be dealing with right now, no matter what it is that's happening in our mind or in our body or in our relationship, in our finances, in our business, in our careers, in our education, no matter what's happening, no matter even what's not happening, God is saying, don't you get it? I have given you a sword to wield. And the Holy Spirit is going to be your armor bearer. That even if no one goes with you, understand this. I am the invisible armor bearer that you need to go into battle. Can we say amen to that? Come on. Come on. Come on. God's got it all figured out. He's got it all worked out. There is no one and nothing that we have to depend on other than God. It doesn't matter if no one comes with us because he's always with us. And he's always willing to be the armor bearer in our life. You know, he tells us that the sword is the spirit. It is his word. And I, and I believe that in the moment in which we're hearing the Philistines mocking them, here's what's happening. I believe that the world, and I believe that Satan, I believe that darkness, I believe that evil is always arrogant and overconfident. And I believe that because it is always arrogant and overconfident, it gets its behind handed time and time again. There is no way that God is going to let arrogance and overconfidence win. God defeats that enemy every time. And so when we are overconfident, when we are arrogant, when we believe that we can do this in our own strength, we experience defeat. But when we go out with God and understand that whether we be many warriors or a few, it doesn't matter because we will always defeat the enemy that is before us. And these Philistines, they were arrogant. They were overconfident. They said, come on up. We're going to take care of these guys. Just two of them. And the scriptures tell us that there were 20 of them. 
at this outpost. Just one outpost, 20 of them. And the Bible says that as they were climbing up to where this outpost was, that Jonathan was killing those in front of him and the armor bearer was killing those behind him. And then all of a sudden, there were 20 that were dead and the garrison had been taken over. And as the other garrison, which was a little bit higher up, saw what happened to the lower garrison, they began to panic. The Bible says they were so filled with panic that God did something else to accentuate it. See, God magnifies the effect of vision and the armor bearer's faithfulness by sending an earthquake. And though they were already panicked, God made their panic even worse. And all of a sudden now, in this Philistine army, Saul and his army see what's happening. They join the attack. Now they have the confidence to go in. The Bible says in chapter 14, verse 20, that that's when they joined the attack. Only after Jonathan and the armor bearer had killed 20 soldiers and panic had gone through the Philistine army and that the earth had shook with an earthquake. And in that moment, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, 21, that the Israelites that had defected and were already working with the Philistines, they revolted and started to fight against the Philistines where they were. And then the ones who had run and hid in the caves, well, they joined the attack too. And then all of a sudden, everyone who didn't have the courage to go into battle now had it. And they had it because this is what happens. God always magnifies the effect of vision and faithfulness. Can we say amen to that? When we go out in his name, this is what he does. He creates the circumstances for the victory. And even those who had abandoned, even those that were hiding, even those that had left, even those that had defected, they all came back to fight against the Philistines. And they defeated them. They put that enemy down. Because light spreads because it defeats the darkness wherever it is found. And it goes into the hearts of those who had even turned their back on their own people and their own God. You see what happened there? They didn't just join the Israelites. They had left God to do it. Because you left your God to follow the gods of another people. Do you understand what happened in the story? And then because of what Jonathan and the armor bearer did, the people who had left God to serve and to follow on other gods, they all came back. And so the victory wasn't just Jonathan and David's. It was for the people that belonged to God. And what we see in the story is that God didn't want anybody to be left out of that victory. The vision that God had for Jonathan and the faithfulness of the armor bearer 
produced victory for everyone. It wasn't just for Jonathan. I mean, he could have went back and said, Saul, Dad, I love you, but you suck as a king. I'm taking over. This victory happened because of me. But he doesn't do that. When the people who had revolted and defected and hid in the caves, they were all pardoned. Even though you would expect that all of them deserved another punishment. But the victory on that day wasn't just Jonathan's, it was everybody's. And the Bible says something about Jesus. He says that there's a guy who comes to work in the field at the first hour. And then there's someone who comes to work at the 11th hour. And then Jesus says, this is how my father rewards. It doesn't matter if you came at the first hour or the 11th hour, but everyone gets the same pay. And what he's saying with that is something that all of us should be incredibly thankful for. That it doesn't matter at what time we arrive or join the fight or change allegiances or make our decisions to leave the darkness and be one with the light, but it's the fact that we did. And the blessing that God has for us is the same. Whether I started serving him when I was seven years old, 18 years old, or at 99 years old, it doesn't matter. The blessing that God has for us is exactly the same. The armor bearer gets the armor, the invisible armor of God, the moment that he decides who the sword bearer is going to be. And today, today, I follow Jesus into battle. He is the sword bearer. And he has given me the privilege of being an armor bearer. And I will follow Jesus wherever he leads. Whether we be many warriors or a few, we together will always defeat the darkness. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Father, thank you that you have called us into battle with you. That you have given us the invisible armor, that we can be the armor bearer. And in the moments that you call us to lead, we will do it. And we pray that you make those moments clear to us, that you give us the signs that we need it so that we can go with certainty. Our confidence is in you. The Philistines put their confidence in themselves. They put it in their swords, in their spears, in their chariots, and in their army. But we put our confidence in you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way that you cover us, go with us, go before us, are always with us. And for the way that you give us victory in the areas of our life where we need it most. Lord, you see where each and every one of us needs victory today. You see what we are battling, what we are fighting, what we are attempting to overcome. And Lord, maybe we're trying to do that too much in our own strength. But today we understand that we can only have the victory if you give it to us, if you are with us, 
if you are the presence that we need to accomplish it with. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.